the great part of being a man is you can build a lot of these things, right? So you can build your income, you can build your body, you can build your network, you can build your social skills by doing a lot of these things by actively working on yourself. Oliver Anwar is the founder of Elite Performance, a fitness and health service which enables entrepreneurs to operate at their best without compromising their body. I was basically putting Kit Kats in vending machines for 12 hours a day. If I keep just you know finishing the job and coming back after I finish to work on my business, something would give, right? I was like, let's just keep plugging away. If you just sit behind books or you sit behind just listening to the podcast and you don't actually go out in the real world and get into the arena, you never really know what you're made of and you're never really going to test yourself and build up that kind of tolerance to stress, tolerance to failure, tolerance to all these things that come. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Retrospective Podcast with your host Zach Villeneuve-Snell. Now as you might be able to tell from my voice, I'm still just about recovering from illness which is why I wasn't quite able to get this episode up on Monday and I hope you forgive me for that but uh, usually I try and keep a few weeks in advance but just for various work related reasons just didn't keep on top of it but uh, nonetheless it's going out now and of course the episode is with Oliver Anwar, who is a health and performance coach for entrepreneurs. And in this episode, we do, of course, touch on his personal story, taking all the way through nearly making it as a professional footballer to developing a great physique, to then using that to build out his business and coach entrepreneurs who are in busy situations just like he was after leaving university. We talk about long-term versus short-term decisions. We talk about lockdown. We talk about sleep, performance, uh, what short guys can do to attract women. Uh, it's quite a good episode. Obviously, Oliver is providing some great social commentary on a lot of issues there. And we kind of go off on quite a few different directions. So hopefully it's got something for everyone. Hopefully you can find it really interesting. It's a little bit shorter than usual as well. So hopefully it's, it's a little bit more digestible too. And if you have the privilege of watching this on YouTube or on Spotify, wherever you're listening, uh, if you've got the option to view, then you'll probably notice I'm wearing a floral shirt and Oliver is not. He does mention many times uh, online and also on his sort of business onboarding page that he's a massive fan of floral shirts, so I thought I'd put one, for, one on for the recording, uh, but he did not, so just to explain for that one. And of course, finally, the podcast is sponsored by Runner, which is the first of its kind, number one rated, fully automated running coaching service. And whether you're training for your first marathon, a faster 10k time, or just a couch to 5k, Runner's got all the plans that you need and you'll be guided by Olympic marathon runner Steph Davis or the guy I've had on the podcast, Ben Parker, co-founder. Uh, and they've actually recently onboarded Beth Potter, who is an Olympic triathlete and got a medal at the Commonwealth Games. And she has she previously held the five kilometre world record on the road of 14.41. So if you're ever looking for any credibility uh, as to why you should look into being coached by those guys, then... Uh, that's pretty much all I could provide. Uh, and it's been a real benefit for me as well. So if you want to help me out and if you want to help them out, then use the code Zach, Z-A-K, uh, to get your first two weeks free. And it's Runner, R-U-N-N-A, um, in the App Store. So yeah, let me know how you get on. But without further ado, welcome to the show, Oliver Randwell. How's it going, man? Yeah, good. Yourself? Very, very good. Looking forward to this one. Uh, I've seen recently on, on social media, recently spending some time in the Maldives and by Instagram, it seems as if you, you travel quite a lot. And I was actually speaking to a guy called Suhit. I don't know if you've come across Suhit Amin. Um, no. Entrepreneur, similar to yourself, but he he works in influencer marketing. But he's been spending some time in Portugal and he was telling me on the on the last episode that's yet to go out yet, do you find it easier to perform in a foreign country? And he said, yes, sticking to all the protocols and being able to manage your own, and schedule and stuff. And obviously you speak a lot about op- health optimization and getting vitamin D, sunning, et cetera. So do you find it easier to stick to your protocol traveling and living abroad? It's a really good question, man. And it's kind of funny because it's something I've debated a lot recently. And one of the things is that I've found personally when I'm working is having a base is really useful. So like right now, I'm actually based in Manchester and I've got like an apartment here. Like you can see, I've got a desk and my setup and things. And I work really well with routine. So if I stick to a good routine, I like I have everything there. Like it's really good for me to execute because there's nothing interfering. There's no spontaneity that's kind of ruining my my progress, right? And um, you know, I love spontaneity in the right doses, but I can find if I'm like 
let's say, uh, you know, like a digital nomad, which I've done before, or I'm away and I don't have certain things, my routine gets thrown up in the air, which is really weird. So I don't think it matters as much like where you are. Now, you know, I'd much rather be in Dubai than, you know, in, in rainy Manchester. But I think the key thing really for me is like, having a base of, okay, this is my routine. This is where the gym is. This is where I get my food. This is my desk. This is my working hours. And just being very regimented with that. Like I work really well with that kind of structure. Um, but from like a, I would say like a overall like happiness perspective, a health perspective, being in a warmer climate, being somewhere like abroad, like Dubai, like I've lived in Lisbon for a little bit. In these warm climates has a huge impact on your mood, man. You know, vitamin D is going to improve sleep quality. It's going to improve testosterone. It's going to improve like, you know, your daily happiness. Like I woke up today and there was sun outside and blue skies in Manchester uh, for once. And I was like, man, today's going to be great. And it just has that knock on effect. So um, yeah, I hope that kind of answers your question there, man. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky thing because I've always had this idealistic thing of moving abroad and hopefully living, especially if you build up a personal brand and a, and a system yeah. like you have to be able to work remotely. But of course, then you're you're distant from friends and you've got to re-network. And as you say, the logistics of sorting out supermarket and finding the local gym and all those sorts of things can be a bit challenging. So I suppose yeah. if you're moving around, this is a problem. Definitely, mate. And I think, you know, it's okay if like you settle in one place and you know what you're doing. But, you know, I've been to places for like, let's say one or two months and you kind of have this you know, bit of a, a dilemma where you're kind of like, oh, I'm only here for a month. I want to go out and enjoy it. I want to go to all the bars. I want to go to all the restaurants. I want to go to all the, the clubs. I want to see what the city's like. But at the same time, you kind of have to work and you're like, well, mm, I need to do both. And you're kind of stuck in this limbo. Whereas I really like now having a base to work from and then being like, hey, look, like like the last uh, week uh, or two weeks, I was two weeks ago, I was in the Maldives. So I said, hey, look, this is just going to be my week on holiday. I'm going to go away, get my vitamin D, enjoy it, not do much work, then come back and work and then boom, I'm back to it. And like for me, it kind of gives me this like segmentation of like, okay, this is fun time, this is work time and allows me to split things up. Um, and I guess it's something maybe I need to get better at. Uh, I know some people that can live this digital nomad life and be very successful. So it's not to say you can't do it, but um, I kind of know myself quite well and find that this is a really good structure for me. So for the listeners that don't know, and obviously you're in a position now to, to be able to do this, what is it that, that you that you do? Sure. So I run a health optimization or digital wellness company for entrepreneurs. So we help them with body transformation, you know, internal health change and, you know, just driving and improving their, their, their performance in both life and, you know, work. And the, the way we do that is through our, you know, three and six month programs based on, you know, our system that we use. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what I, I do now full time had a few guests on the podcast sort of similar they're talking about similar topics to you so be interesting to, to hear your comments later on in the podcast but for again for the listeners who don't know uh basically when i send out podcast invitations i ask the guests to describe themselves a little bit i don't know if you can remember uh, filling this in but I you do, said you yeah. were extroverted driven ambitious curious adventurous and heuristic and you mm -hmm. want to build for the long term so mm -hmm. all of those traits all those things you've described there wh why did you uh why did you pick those traits well, who are you Yes, it's a, it's a good question. So I'd say those kind of like personality traits are kind of who I am at my core. When I look at look at throughout my life, the things that I've I've kind of done have been I've been very driven. Um, for example, when I was younger, I played an elite level of football in the UK, so I was very fortunate to play a good level when I was younger. And I guess I got that competitive edge to want to become a professional footballer as I got older. Um, and it definitely came from that. Unfortunately, I didn't make it as a professional footballer. And that really did kind of dent my self-confidence, self-esteem and ego as I got to kind of like 17. Um, and then from there, I kind of went to a sporting college where I studied A-levels and, and playing um, playing a good level of football um, there as well. Uh, and I was actually very insecure, right? I was very like, um, you know, not making it as a professional and then being like this short skinny footballer in a college full of big rugby players I, I kind of felt a bit out of place so I really started I guess that's when my passion for hitting the gym started I started hitting the gym and it's very driven and motivated to really push my body to the level that I wanted to, to to reach my full potential and see where I could get to and I made tons of mistakes along the way man it was it was a bit crazy so um yeah I then kind of started learning how to do things and that kind of helped me kind of, yeah, set up the business I have today and, and, and do do what I do. So I think the the drive and ambition comes from playing a lot of kind of competitive sport and competitive, um, you know, 
things as a young kid and i'd say like the adventure has come from like the travel side of side of things so you can see that i've traveled a lot um for, just through my instagram i've been to 35 different countries and uh having a dad uh, so my dad's from actually indonesia and, and my mum's english so i've been back to indonesia quite a lot as a young kid and i think having that you know, um, exposure to a different culture as a, as a young kid made me realize how big the world actually is and um, the amount of experiences that you can have if you get out of your hometown and actually do something interesting and a bit more adventurous. And, and that's really stuck with me. So um, that adventure side is there. And I'd say the bit about the long term would be just that I guess it's a stage of life that I've now got to where I don't look at things so much as short term. And I guess you go through phases in life, right? There's those chapters where things are transient. Maybe you're, you know, meeting people while you're traveling and, and they're not going to be long-term friends, or maybe you're casually dating, right? And you're just hooking up for a bit of fun and things like that. But for me, the way I look at life now is very much like long-term. It's kind of like, hey, who can I build long-term relationships with both, you know, friendships, businesses, work life, intimate relationships, all these kinds of things. Because I feel that if you do that, these these things kind of compound. And when things compound, that's how you kind of make this long-term progress. You, you get more leverage. And I think it's it's having more meaningful kind of, uh, a more meaningful life, right? And more meaningful connections by, by having things that are a bit more um, long-term. So yeah, man, that's kind of like summing up what, what, what the, that meant in, in the application there. And just to pick up off the back of, you, you mentioned the building for the long-term. Uh, conscious of the fact that maybe an average listener of this podcast is probably in that 18 to 25 window of potentially university students or embarking on their I guess career their foray into the into the world of work and so how do you think they should strike the balance between being long-term focused because I feel like there's a there's obviously a balance to be struck especially the younger you get you know you do want to be able to go out and enjoy things and you know potentially have a party phase although i necessarily wouldn't uh endorse that but how do you kind of strike that as you get older is it something that you reflect back on and you you don't really regret what you've done in the past or would you rather have built for the future earlier on really good question man one of the things i think i'm, I'm really happy about and proud about is I, I i haven't lived with any regrets so there's nothing that i've done that i've thought i've regretted it and in my early 20s and in late teens i partied a lot um you know i made lots of mistakes um you know both in in like relationships like i was broke um you know uh, that just made bad decisions you know uh, i partied a lot but you know, the biggest teacher, you know, you can listen to, to me on the podcast and you know, maybe I can help you maybe stop making the mistakes, but you only build character and you only build understanding through going through these experiences yourself and actually going through a bit of pain, a bit of like heart heartache or heartbreak or feeling really down in the dumps because that actually builds your character. If you if you just sit sit behind like books or you sit behind just listen to the podcast and you don't actually go out in the real world and get into the arena, you never really know what you're made of and you're never really going to test yourself and build up that kind of tolerance to stress, tolerance to failure, tolerance to all these things that come. So um, I wouldn't say I'm in the position to give life advice to people, but what I would say is like really just put yourself out there. You know, try to travel a lot. Um, you know, try to meet as many people as possible. Try a lot of new things and always be optimistic and work hard. I think if you do that, the right opportunities are going to find you. Uh, and now me, I'm, I'm 28 now. Um, I've started to flip the way that I look at life and, and look a bit more to, towards the longer term of certain things. But I didn't definitely didn't have that kind of mindset when I was in my early 20s and stuff. So um, that's kind of how I, I would look at it, if that, if that makes sense. It's like generally the the experience of life teaches you to gradually look to the long term but it's not necessarily a bad thing to enjoy life for what it is at certain stages i suppose um 100 so, yeah yeah i'm, I'm glad because i think that's a that's a worry especially as i've developed i mean I, i've just turned 22 and i think there's definitely been points in my life at 18 or 19 or 20 where i've been considered potentially too serious by by friends and i've had to really like evaluate like am i doing too much long-term building am i being too serious and too self-development focused so obviously that is a, a balance that we all sort of need to strike and you you speak about earlier you, you know trying to make it as a professional footballer and then transitioning across into like sort of the gym world and making every sort of mistake and so what's the biggest thing that you think you've you've taken on board from that early process to then now relay back to the clients that you work with whether they're entrepreneurs or, or whatever in terms of the gym fitness yeah really good question i'd say the 
most important thing is, and this is so simple, it's, it's, it's simplicity and consistency, right? So if you're busy or, you know, if you want to get into a fitness regimen, you don't need to be doing something that's complicated and you don't need to be doing something that you're only going to do for a few weeks because what's the point in that, right? It's never going to sustain long-term. It's never going to compound and, you know, you're going to find it too difficult to, to execute. So I like sticking to simple workouts that you can do that allows you to have consistency with your routine. So uh, whether that is body weight whether that's gym workouts being able to do that consistently over time is what's going to elicit the progress if you train for two weeks and then you give it all up because it's too complicated it's too much mental bandwidth to do it well it's a waste of time and you're back in square at square one with less motivation than you had so really try and build up slowly simple consistent and let that compound and then as you do that over the course of time and you follow the key principles of, of training um you're going to get results and you'll actually start to enjoy it. I think a lot of people want enjoyment from, you know, training. They're like, Oh, I want the best program when really you would actually get enjoyment from getting the results, right? When you start to see results, you're like, Hey, look, um, I'm starting to feel motivated now. So um, that would be my advice to, to people. One of the biggest lessons I've learned. And of course, then I touched on it, but alongside that whole fitness journey, you've, you've gone into building the platform that you currently operate, but I want to understand kind of the origins of it. And, where you were at with work, let's say like five, 10 years ago, how has your way of making money kind of evolved alongside your physique? And then how have those things kind of crossed over at the present day? Yeah, good question. So I actually um, set up my company or my business when I was at university. Um, I was a broke uh, student that wanted to get uh, a little bit more money to go on student nights out and things, right? Um, and I'd actually developed, a, you know, I went through a, a breakup when I was like 21. And that was really the fuel to really take my physique to the next level, right? Uh, you, you hear that you know, famous saying, breakups make bodybuilders. And it definitely did in, in my scenario. Uh, alongside some other stuff that was going on, it really just fueled all the pain and uh, you know um, negativity that I was feeling towards the gym and, and turned it into something positive. Developed a good physique by the time I was about 21. And I was at university at this point. And uh, the good thing was I kind of had... Um, you know, a lot of people asking, hey, how do you get into training and things like that? So I started basically... Um, you know, doing this um, website, which uh, I launched and people then begin asking questions about packages and things like that. So then I started to sell packages to, to people regarding training. This was a little bit of extra side income uh, alongside uh, university. Started making a bit of money with that, but it wasn't really good enough money to me to, to really um, do it full time. Um, so I, after I finished university, I got a corporate job in central London where I worked for a big telecommunications company. So um, I was basically balancing trying to get this business off the ground while, um, you know, doing a corporate job, which was pretty stressful and, it, and quite interesting for me to see kind of the, uh, you know, challenges that professionals faced and people that worked in the city. Um, and it kind of evolved from me working with general population people to then working with people like me. So busy professionals that were in the same position, which was pretty interesting. Uh, and then what happened was I was sick of the corporate life after about six months. I remember I was on a balcony overlooking the Thames in my, you know, this apartment I couldn't really afford. And I was like, I was miserable, man. You know, I was drinking a lot. I wasn't sleeping well. I was working like a dog. Uh, you know, I didn't have time for going out to date. I didn't have time to, you know, really see a lot of my friends. It was just a very miserable existence. And I said, you know, this can't go on. So the next day I kind of wrote a notice letter and handed it into work. And I just said, look, I'm, I'm quitting in, in, in the next couple of months. Um, and that was that. So I quit the job and to kind of ensure I had income on the side, I basically had a freelancing job uh, doing so, so, some extra work. But it got about three months after I quit and I realized, shit, I haven't got enough money, right? So my business wasn't picking off as much as I thought it would. Um, and the freelance kind of gigs kind of dried up. So I was at the point where I was broke and I was basically couldn't pay rent, man, which was, which was not good. So luckily one of my friends had a vending machine company. So he said, Hey, look, you can, you know, I can give you a job, um, driving vending machines around what you can do is like work 12 hours a day and basically fill vending machines um across the south of the uk uh actually it was near near bournemouth and, and things as well as uh, south london and yeah i was basically putting kit kats in vending machines for 12 hours a day which was an interesting experience man but at this point it, it was quite a pivotal moment because i realized you know what like i am going to get through this and i did realize that um you know if i keep just you know finishing 
the the job and coming back after I finished to work on my business, something would give, right? I was like, let's just keep plugging away. Let's keep trying to see if this can work. And it, it did uh, with a bit of good fortune. And I guess getting my business acumen up um, to, to a high level, I, I basically started to make more money with my business. And I said, look, I can quit the vending machine business now. Uh, 2020 hit, COVID hit, which was a bit of good fortune. And you know everyone was looking for online trainers. So I really started pumping out content online and, and doing that kind of thing started a Twitter account and then boom, we're, we're where we are today. So two, three years down the line, I'm now doing this full time and um, you know, fortunate enough to make this my you know gig that I love to do each day. So yeah, man, that's a bit of an origin story if that if that makes sense. Yeah, and it gives an insight into the, the relentless iteration process that you need to go through just to constantly reinvent what you're doing in like minor ways i don't mean reinvent in, in its entirety but just consistently moving the needle and consistently trying to almost like t- not taking no for an answer right and just going i will make this work eventually and navigating your way through to then having that break and you know we've got to play the the hand that we've been dealt and i think when the pandemic hits yes of course it's a it's a net negative for a lot of people but you can then flip it on its head and go well how, how can i how can i capitalize on on people's willingness to to want to go and build up their bodies, I guess. Um, and yep. it's something you, you speak about as well. You know, there's, there's those parallels between the consistency between the gym and in building your business. And those two things, obviously running parallel alongside each other. Do you think that the, the physique that you're building and the, the mentality that you get from remaining disciplined in the gym carries across into the way you apply yourself in the business? And do you think also that it helps with the business and just purely in terms of like the optics and bringing in that kind of identity capital with, with the, with the personal brand. Really good question, man. I'd say absolutely they run in line, right? Like if you can build your body up to a point where, you know, you've built good muscle mass, you're at a healthy body fat percentage, you challenge yourself mentally and physically. That's like, that translates to anything you do. You translate that to the dating market, right? And going out and maybe getting rejected quite a few times, but actually sticking at it, staying disciplined, going and still talking to girls, right? That is still works in parallel with the gym, right? Turning up, failing uh, with the weights, but actually going again the next day and be like, look, I'm going to be try and be stronger and, and not let that happen. And it, it absolutely translates to business, right? Like if you've got the same mindset for business that, okay, these prospects are not are saying no to me, well, let's figure it out and, and try again tomorrow and actually be disciplined in you know, putting in those reps which which are really important it absolutely has an impact and i think a lot of people in in business and, and in life they they can give up and one of the things that i haven't done is i haven't give up right i've always whatever's happened i've pushed forward no matter how bad it's got i've said Let, let's keep going let's keep going let's keep pushing we'll figure it out we can do this and i kept that positive attitude despite what was going on and I think if you combine something like a positive attitude with also getting the right coaching and I'd say getting the right signal and the right um, you know, roadmap to maybe overcoming some of the challenges that you're facing, I think that's the recipe for success because you know a good attitude coupled with the right framework is always going to lead to somebody that's going to be good at what they do because they're... It, you know, there's kind of the two aspects of it. There's um, the self-awareness, right? It's saying, okay, I understand what's going wrong. Uh, and then the growth mindset, which is kind of like, hey, look, uh, I understand things are going wrong, but I can make this better, right? If you've got those two things, self-awareness and the growth mindset, I really do think you can be successful. And like I said, coupling that with, you know, maybe the right mentor or the right framework or the right understanding of where you need to go to solve these problems, um, I think you can get there. So I hope that that kind of answers the question there. I went off on a bit of a tangent. No, it does. And it, it rings true as well with, with podcasting. People say that, you know, however many percentage of podcasts drop off after their fifth or 10th or 15th episode. And I'm hoping to keep becoming a less and less percentile in that, you know, hoping to keep, keep going, obviously. But it's an interesting thing that that self-belief and that perseverance. And I'm wondering, is there anything in your childhood where you can like look back retrospectively and, and kind of connect the dots between I don't know where where things were positively reinforced by your parents or like some kind of self-belief doing the footballing stuff. Is there anything where you can kind of pick the dots now? Yeah, I, I love this question. I've been asked this on other podcasts as well. And it's, I don't know where the origin comes from. It's very weird. But all I can say is that innately, the way that I feel is I always feel that I'm going to make it. Like I always have this 
self-belief and maybe it's you know my mum saying that she'd always support me and things like that you know from my youth maybe it's like my dad he came from a small village in Indonesia that didn't have any electricity and he basically moved me and my family over to the UK and maybe seeing that and understanding that example of probably you know the, the endeavors that that took maybe had a, a knock-on effect on me like I, I'm not hard, completely sure where to pinpoint that um, you know I was also you know relatively good at football as a young kid and, and got some positive reinforcement there so may, maybe that was it I don't know man it's a tough one but I would just say innately like I just have this belief that whatever happens to me I'll get over it and it's going to be good and I can overcome it and um, that that's all I really know to be honest it's almost a it's a self-fulfilling prophecy isn't it it's like the story you tell yourself I think yeah. you know there's no guarantee of the outcome but it definitely will will help to shape as you've mentioned uh, yourself your own story kind of a a bounce back from a breakup led you into the gym it's seeing everything as a way to then okay this thing has happened but how can i morph it into my future identity and make a positive out of it and and continue that continue that drive um one one of the questions i had and, and it's something that's kind of been bugging me as i'm starting to create content myself and thinking about just creating some more short form content with me speaking is that i feel like all the stuff that i've come across in the last few years seems obvious to me now because i've been in this space for a few years and so when you were building this platform and even now when you're sort of tweeting out and posting and, and generating leads and, and doing all that kind of stuff and helping your clients, is it ever, is ever a thing internally that you, you kind of, you're questioning, oh, isn't, isn't this stuff obvious or, or is it because you have that connection with your clients that you know that people really struggle with, with the basic things that, that you deal with now? It's a great question, man. I think if you look at the landscape of the, you know, population, the US is a great example. I think there's like something crazy, like 70, 80% of people are obese, right? So when you look at that, you see how much people don't understand or a gap in their knowledge and understanding of what it takes to be healthy. And it's not helped by kind of like the government and, you know, these health policies, which really don't help people, right? Like, you know, you look at the whole COVID situation and what happened there, like they locked people up in their houses and, and force fed them food <laughs> and said, look, stay inside, don't do much exercise or moving. And this is how you get to good health. And I've always been a proponent of, you know, trying to fix the root cause of what's going on and not, not the symptoms. And it's difficult for people to see that because they've always grown up with, you know, the big farmer or they've grown up with the healthcare system and you know if you get sick you take pills and you take medication and I've always grown up as someone that's very healthy and looked at life as like okay it's on me to really look at like what I'm doing in my lifestyle my nutrition my training you know my sleep all of this kind of stuff so I can be healthy going forward so I never have to visit the doctor right that's the way that I've always looked at it but but other people they haven't so when I put out content I really try and look at them in mind and be like hey look these are all the things that I do with my lifestyle to keep healthy and prevent sicknesses illnesses diseases and then I think that that helps them understand that there is this different world out there where you know you can be healthy and fit without having to take medications pills and all this kind of other stuff and gives them an understanding of what they need to do if that makes sense i think that's that's true isn't it because we we surround ourselves with like-minded people so you're you're you and i probably exist in a relative bubble of people who all kind of are interested in i don't know testosterone health optimization yeah sleep gym bro splits etc so we are aware of it but as you as you mentioned a lot of these people just aren't aware or or they've never been shown exactly how to do those things step by step and obviously the inertia to get into these things from a from a modern world where, where we're fed comfort and as, especially as you mentioned the the government and the, the way that things are generally propagated isn't set up to then need to go and educate yourself so you just kind of take everything on on surface value and i, I want to pick up on just one of the things you mentioned there which is the the pandemic with the with lockdown and how gyms were closed and stuff what was your whole take on on the fact that despite this i mean the texts have been coming out now with uh with i don't know the matt hancock and boris johnson kind of doing the numbers and stuff a couple of years ago but what was, what was your mindset out with that i know your business was taking off but with the with the pandemic itself yeah i thought it was a big kind of you know i don't want to put a tinfoil hat on here but i do think it was a kind of control mechanism of you know kind of getting people to do what they wanted them to do right the government i felt the government were losing power and you know, there's lots of maybe different theories around that, but I do think that they were completely over, you could say, controlled in what they did. They, you know, forced people to stay inside. The kind of rules that they put in place were very authoritarian. And you can tell that 
there wasn't really a concern for health. It was all about control. It was all about making sure you did what you were told. And I think that that probably didn't do a lot of people good, man, from, from what I've heard. And, you know, a lot of people will go through a lot of mental kind of um, struggles through this time because they were locked inside and they weren't exercising. They couldn't socialize. They couldn't see their friends. And, the, the policies that they made, I felt, were very kind of blanket policies, right? So they were like, right, everybody needs a vaccine, despite the fact that there was a 99.97% survival rate for a lot of people and there was natural immunity. And we've seen this with places like like Sweden, right? So it does make sense to maybe, you know, people that are have high risk to, to maybe take the vaccine and stay inside and things like that. But for the young, the fit, the healthy, someone like me, I never took the vaccine. I mean, I caught COVID. I was ill for a, a little bit and then I, I got over it and I was fine. And, um, you know, I think a lot of other people were kind of like, well, you you know, let's just crack on with it, right? There's, there's no need to have this huge lockdown, which has affected economies, people's mental health, relationships, health, all of this kind of stuff. So I think it was a complete over-exaggeration. And I think now, like you said, it's come out that, you know, people were kind of, you know, uh, instigating this to be a, a way to kind of control population, to, you know, push things like big pharma, vaccines, money to the elites. It's it's all started to come out a bit. So um, I'm really glad that I kind of stuck to my guns and said, hey, look, this is like what I believe. And if you follow me for a while, you know that I was very kind of anti the lockdowns, anti the, um, you know, forced, um, you know, uh, the, 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 what was the word? Uh, the the prevention of freedom of choice for the vaccine. You know, I'm not pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine, do whatever you need to do, but you should have the choice of whether you take it or not. Um, and I was very anti kind of the, the freedom of choice that they were, uh, at the anti, anti-freedom anti of choice that they were doing um, and the other bits that were going on. So yeah, um, that's kind of my thoughts on, on what happened. I think it was always a tricky one. It was striking that balance. But as you say, there was lots of negative externalities uh, which can't be accounted for in the decision the economy, people's mental health, and also health in general because of waiting mm-hmm. lists and things. And I think that's a, a challenge that I was trying to bring at the time, but we were, we were told, you know, for, for going out and going to the gym, you said said that you were killing your grandparents and something. It's yeah. a bit overdramatic. And again, it's that manipulation and control, which I think people people rebelled against. Mm-hmm. Um, one, of the, one of the things that you talk about in your onboarding, I had a look through it because I was just curious as to what your whole system is, is tracking the key KPIs for the body. Uh, And rather than delving into that, because I'm sure people can sort of find that from your work, the question I wanted to ask is, can we overanalyze and and over rely on data over like uh, subjective feeling and measurement? 100%, man. Um, I think that, you know, there's a big trend now for people to be super data focused, super, you know, um, you see this with a lot of the biohackers, right? They want to hit all the numbers and all the data, right? And um, I mean, they're just numbers, man. At the end of the day, what is it? What is your North Star? And I think for most people, their North Star is, hey, look, I want to look good, right? I want to have more energy. I want to feel confident, right? I want to be focused. I want to sleep well. Well, you don't really need any numbers to tell you that, right? Like you can know yourself how you feel. If you feel a 10 out of 10 or you feel a 2 out of 10, it's, it's very easy to see. I think it's good to bring data in as we kind of get a bit more kind of nuanced with things, uh, you know, as people start to already have a foundation and a baseline and they want to take it to the next level and reach their peak. I do think that data can be really important because, you know, you're then looking at week on week. Okay. How are we improving? Are we ensuring we're doing the right things and stuff like that? So I think um, data is really useful, not always from the start, but towards like the, the parts that are a bit more extreme, right? So uh, a bit more kind of like, um, you know, you're trying to push things really far, data can be good. My personal view is like, I think, you know, it's a good idea to track anyway from the start, like just to track data, not read too much into it, but just have data so we can understand where we are and obviously where we want to go and see the improvements. I think that's really good because the truth is data doesn't lie, right? Data does say, hey, look, like, you know, you're sleeping this amount of hours and stuff like that that that's useful or you do a dexa scan and it will say hey look this is your body fat percentage now and this is your body fat percentage after 12 weeks of following the process so you actually get some specific tangibles there but if you didn't want to use the data and you did just want to do it yourself going off feel going off how you look going off like you know your energy each day is fine so i kind of hope that answers your question there man it is a is a again each person is different aren't they and, and some people yep. like to be more data driven and others get put off or even have a, an unhealthy relationship when they get too numbers focused especially especially with with weight and stuff so i think it's it's definitely trying to be holistic and i mean i suppose that's exactly kind of what you offer with with your programming as a general point to kind of close off the discussion about the business side of stuff what is the the 
most challenging thing that you've found, not in terms of the clients, but just purely in terms of like scaling the business to where it is now? What, what's what been the biggest challenges with like the logistics or like, is, is it like tax where you're like moving around countries or is it just the, the number of leads you're trying to get in the marketing? Yeah, for sure. I think one of the biggest challenges, I think for any online coach or health professional is kind of like, how do we scale without sacrificing the quality of what we're doing, right? So you want to ensure that the client feels like they're getting the one-on-one kind of attention that they paid for. But then obviously that's okay when you've got maybe five, 10 clients, but when you get to the point where you've got hundreds of clients, how do you still offer that same level of service to people? So that's kind of the stage I'm in at the minute is as I scale up, like how are we ensuring that the delivery side of things is not just scalable, but really providing value to the customers. So they feel like they're getting, you know, the great results, they're being held accountable, that their, you know, their penny is their time, their cost of value is high, right? Um, or, or, or whatever it is. So um, I think that's maybe one of the most challenging things for sure. And um- You've spoken about it on a lot of podcasts and it is something that I, I want to touch on. You're probably fed up of, of mentioning him, but as you've kind of scaled up through to this point in your business, of course, one of the natural byproducts, and again, it would have been spoken about in a, a previous podcast with Suhit, is the networks that you then find yourself yeah. in. Andrew Tate, I've seen it's the pinned image on your Instagram account. It's yeah. the first thing I saw. How on earth have you linked up with Andrew Tate in the past? It's a great question, man. So I was, Andrew was following me on, we followed each other on Twitter for a while before uh, one of his many accounts got banned. And uh, I was actually in Prague. I posted a video to say I was in Prague um, and he DM'd me out of the blue, just like, hey man, I'm in Prague. Like, do you fancy catching up? Um, you know, he's, I've got the evening free. And we'd kind of like, I hadn't really spoken to him directly, but we kind of liked and commented on each other's tweets. And we had a very kind of similar mindset in regards to like a health, fitness, personal responsibility and things like that. So I guess he just wanted to kind of catch up and, and you know, hang out. So we did that. Uh, I met him in a cigar lounge in Prague. We ended up smoking some cigars, having a few drinks. And uh, it's a very pleasant experience, actually. It's, um, I think it's been horrible to see the level of kind of like the attack that the mainstream media has really put on him because, you know, I can only speak from the experience that I've had with him and, you know, I've met a few of his close friends as well. And they've all said that, you know, he's a very genuine kind and, you know, considerate person. Uh, it doesn't always come across like that through the media and through TikTok and through videos that are cut up and things. So, um, you know, I know that he's away at the minute and I, I really just hope people could see that other side of him that is like, those things that I mentioned, right? But a, a very good, honest person. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it was a great experience, and I, I'm a big I'm a big fan of Andrew. Not just his uh, kind of demeanor in, in regards to his his personality traits, but also the way he's marketed himself. Um, you know, this past year um, in 2022, I think you know the amount of attention and eyeballs he's got on him, whether you like him or hate him, the level of marketing that has gone into what he's done is is next level man it's the, the funnels that he's built the amount of people he's been able to you know get chanting his name is incredible man so yeah it was a it was a very interesting experience and he you know he's a good person to have him in in my network for sure it's funny you say the mention the number of people saying his name i mean we'd be it's kind of ironic that obviously we're talking about him but also yeah uh, i think you've been on colin campbell's podcast quite quite a while that's back. right yeah. Um, but he actually posted on his story last night as of recording this that you know it wouldn't be a wouldn't be a, a male podcast without talking about Andrew Tate and he posted mm. a reel of someone talking about him so yeah. I think one of the questions that people re- really want to know is what what's the difference in his temperament and who he is in real life compared to the persona that is maybe projected uh, online especially in the in the clips that are even more provocative and a little bit on the fringe of, of what might be deemed accessible yes yeah, it's, it's a good question man I think you know, there's a there's a person that like turns up for work every day, and there's a person that you go for drinks with, right? And I'm sure in everyday life, I try and break it down like this example: you're going to be different, you know, uh, you know, when you're out for drinks with your mates compared to when you're sat in the office with your boss, right? It is kind of true. And the way the way that social media works is a lot for a lot of people, it's a job, and you you maybe say things that are a little bit extravagant, and you act in a different way compared to the ways that you would act, you know, in, in different scenarios, right? So, not to say that he's fake, and not to say that he is, you know. Uh, putting on a, a, a facade i'd say people are different in different scenarios and you know you can exaggerate things you know very well right so i think he says things that are very black and white and really the reality of life is is probably in the gray um you know a lot of things there's context to them so if he says something and it's cut into 15 seconds you could be like okay part of that is true but part of that is not true but 
you know, people don't really think like that. A lot of people are like, oh no, that's misogynistic or that's this or that's that. Like they haven't looked at the full picture. And I think that's the issue with a lot of short form content. Things can get blown out of context, like extremely. And, you know, someone could have said something as a joke or he could have said a video, something as a joke, uh, you know, or, or a satire, right? And it gets blown up as as he's this kind of person. And I think if you look at it, a lot of his longer form content and, you know, like when I've met him in person, he speaks a lot of, kind of sense he, he speaks very articulate about a lot of topics in regards to definitely like masculinity right as a guy go out there and you know work hard go to the gym look after yourself i think that's a very positive message and you know have self-respect and, and try and build yourself into a high value person i think a lot of young men need that because a lot of them are sat you know watching porn or they're sat overweight and you know not looking after themselves and to get anywhere unfortunately in life you, you want to be someone that's you know high energy and that's working on themselves right so i think that's very positive <laughs> There are things that he says, I think, about women that I don't actually agree with every single point that he makes about relationships and things like that. But to say that he is, you know, a rapist or people trafficker or this kind of thing, I think that's completely out of uh, context. And I don't think that that's that's correct. I think that he has a certain worldview on his relationships that maybe I don't hold the same worldview um, to say that he abuses and is nasty to women is a different story right so this is where things get lost right in, in the context just because you don't like the way that he has his you know, uh, intimate relationships it's fine but that doesn't mean that you can you know make him out to be a certain person because you disagree with him right a lot of people there are they hate the truth right and the truth is that you know some people can have a relationship like that and have multiple women and lead that kind of life and maybe because you know someone is not capable of doing that or they don't agree with that they see that as a negative and straight away like oh no i don't like that let's label him like this so um i think again look at it you know take it with a pinch of salt but from from meeting him and things like that i do feel that he is a good person and, and that he he doesn't harm people especially you know women as well saw a quote a couple of months back which is it's just nuance is the new n-word and i loved it because it's so true with regards to the the, the conversation that's bubbling over public yeah. public discourse is so black and white and i suppose he does rise to fill the void of masculinity which you know obviously you're not going to adore someone and take all of their views into your own worldview but definitely he's speaking he, there's a reason why he's grown so much traction i think studying the understanding the the root level of that as to why that happened has occurred is far more important than what he's actually saying on the on the surface level um for sure one of the things that i think is interesting is not just about him but about the general mindset of people that you've potentially come across in your network as you've scaled up is is there any significant difference you can notice between the average joe and people who are operating at a high level in terms of mindset it's a really good question. I'd say the number one thing is limiting beliefs, right? So for everyone that I've worked with and people that are at a high level, they don't really have this, and I'll go back to it kind of like, they have this growth mindset. They believe that anything is possible and they believe that they can achieve what they, they want to achieve. And you see a lot of people I would say maybe the average Joe and I don't like to shit on the average Joe and stuff like that, but let's just talk about, you know, average versus someone that is really excelling. The average person might have some limiting beliefs that hold them back. So this could be, you know, if they're overweight, it's kind of like, well, it's my genetics and I'm always going to be like that. Or they're in a, a, a bad relationship with, with their girlfriend. They're like, oh, well, I'm terrible with girls. You know, I'm always going to be like that. Or, you know, from a business point of view, it could be like, oh, you know, I've got this belief that, you know, because I'm this ethnicity or I grew up at this i don't know i grew up in this town or i went to this college that you know uh, i'm not going to be financially successful right there's there's a lot of these things and um when you couple that with environment so environment that reinforces things like that so you know let's say you, you know you believe you're not going to be successful from the town that you're in and then you're in the town that you're in with people that s believe the same thing you know what your worldview is going to be like Hmm, maybe i'm right maybe i'm not going to be successful because of this and people are telling me this whereas if you break out of the limit and believe to say, actually, let's look at what's possible. And this is why I'm a big proponent of traveling, meeting new people, because you get different experiences. You're kind of like, oh shit, this guy is like 21 and he's like a multimillionaire. Like, how's that happened? Like, I don't really see that in my hometown. You're like, okay, let's find that out. And then he says, you know, you can do this as well. You're like, oh shit, I maybe i can right so it's, it's, it's this level of like environment and breaking limiting beliefs which i think is really powerful and that a lot of successful people do they put themselves in the right environment every day whether that's you know the right you know uh 
because they're the right groups or, or you know living with the right people or you know, being in, in, in the right restaurants you know the right places that that kind of aid their mindset as well as kind of having this mindset that you know they can break through you know some of the challenges that they're facing and that there is growth on the other side um, I think those two things are, are really powerful speaking about self-limiting beliefs and Ironically, again, I, I know you did speak about this on, on Darren's podcast and I, sure. I wrote it down as a question before I heard his podcast, which is kind of frustrating, but I'll, <laughs> I'll ask it again because um, you, you released a video on YouTube about, you know, how can how can short men attract women? And yep. one of the things that, I mean, I, I'm 5'9", so maybe slightly on, on, on the short side, but there can be that tendency, not only in terms of shortness, but also other immutable characteristics where we have self-limiting beliefs about what is possible in a certain environment it doesn't even have to be dating but speaking specifically about this i think there's a statistic that a man who is five foot six needs to earn an additional 175 grand a year to yeah. be as desirable as a man who is six foot which is a crazy statistics but money aside what are other ways in which short men can attract women it's a it's a really good question so i'm five foot seven just to, to let the audience know so on the shorter side as well and it's kind of weird, right? Like, I think the, the number one thing, but the first thing is you have zero control, right? You have zero control over it, right? Like, unless you get your kneecaps done or, you know, you wear kind of stilts, you're never going to be any taller, right? You're always going to be the height that you're at. So you need to accept it. And the second thing is you like need to own it as well, right? So it's all about framing, right? So you need to frame it as like, yeah, I'm five foot seven, but I'm going to be like the best, funnest, coolest, most jacked five foot seven guy that I can ever be. Because at the end of the day, what's the other choice? The other choice is you'd be a miserable five foot seven guy. Well, miserable five foot seven guy, he's definitely not getting any girls, right? So uh, <laughs> I think really like it's about building the other parts to you. And I think the great part of being a man is you can build a lot of these things, right? So you can build your income, you can build your body, you can build your network, you can build your social skills by you know doing a lot of these things, by actively working on yourself. I think when people say, oh, I'm short, like I don't get any girls, it's, it's kind of a bit of a cope because all of the successful guys that I've seen that are tall, uh, that are short, they don't struggle with girls, right? Like, does Tom Cruise struggle with girls? He's five seven. Does Mark Wahlberg struggle with girls? No, he's five foot seven. Does Al Pacino struggle with girls? Probably not. You know, all of these guys are like less than five ten, like five nine, five seven. So when I when I when I take those examples, it kind of makes sense that you can work on so many other things. You know, your style, your income, the gym, all of this kind of stuff. Being an interesting person, and I think building that will allow you know, you to attract the right girls. And again, just being focused on yourself, right? You focus on the right things, you will attract the right things, especially with girls. Like one of the things I've found is, you know, the more you chase, the, the more you repel, but the more you kind of focus on yourself and, you know, this internal part of you and, and these other parts, like you, you then become a magnet to, to attract things. And uh, that, that that goes with girls as well, right? Um, so yeah, that's kind of my view on what, what, what you should do as a short guy. It, it parallels, I think, one of the tweets that you, you shared a, a while back, which I picked up on, which is there's nothing harder but more liberating than accepting you're the one who's been holding you back this whole time. And it ties into yeah. the self-limiting beliefs. It ties into that whole thing of being, oh, I'm only sure, or perhaps I look a certain way, or I grew up in a certain community, or w whatever it may be. But you, you speak about that kind of harsh truth and then working on what you can change. But mm -hmm. I actually recently spoke with Colin about that challenge, that the judgment the balance between judgment and grace. So what I mean by that is how can you make self-improvement and look in the mirror without being too harsh on yourself? Because I mean, I have friends who rip themselves apart too much and be like really like emotionally volatile as, as, as a result because they'll be like focused on, ah, oh, like, I really messed up here or I really need to improve myself. But it will it will mean they'll just rip themselves to shreds. So how, how do people who are looking to improve themselves, not just short kings, <laughs> try yeah. and balance between like being loving because i know you know you'll probably appreciate this but the, the culture is being too far too much in that direction of being cushy cushy and, and yeah. no no harsh of reality so how do you like strike that balance because it's not it's not the other way either is it it's somewhere in the middle absolutely man you know you hit the nail on the head it's, it's finding that balance between I, I i love myself but you know i'm gonna still improve right and i think that that's the the way that you need to look at it is kind of like hey look i am good enough or you know i am a person worthy of everything that i need to to achieve right but maybe i need to do some things in some certain areas to help improve that uh, improve my chances of, of it happening and you know again this goes back to all of those things that i mentioned so just regularly going to the gym looking after yourself but not being overly obsessive and neurotic about it i think if you go too far down one side where you're kind of like 
uh, you know, obsessed with body fat percentage, you're obsessed with status, you're obsessed with income, like all of these things, they, they take it away from who you are, like your personality. And I think that really like the key to you know, uh, not just being a short king, but actually to, to, to having a success is like your personality, right? Like people buy into you. There's no other you in the world. It sounds so fucking cheesy, right? But if you work on all these other things, right? Like, you know, your money, you know, your game, your body and things like that. Well, the key differentiator between you and everyone else isn't those things. It's who you are as a person, like what you enjoy, you know, being confident in your own skin, um, the, the, the things that make you unique, whatever they are, right? And they're, they're different for different people. So um, I think really like, uh, you know, because they're competitive advantage for people and, you know, a way to, to not be so over obsessed is to lean into who you are as a person and really your personality types. Because if you can do that, that's going to set you, uh, you know, far apart people, you know, compared to the guy that just cares about money, just cares about his body, just cares about status and doesn't have any personality because there are tons of those guys out there. But where is the guy that is, you know, working on all those things, but is really leaning into who he is as a person, his personality being fun, you know, caring, all of these kind of traits that you want in a person um, as well. So yeah, that's kind of how I'd, I'd view it. If that makes sense, I went off on a bit of a tangent again. <laughs> no, 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 it is, it is building a good picture and hopefully it is for listeners as well. Um, I'm conscious of time, but I do want to ask uh, one question to kind of... sure overview so we we've we've touched on a f- potentially uh a few topics that are on the fringe or contentious some would deem i wouldn't but okay my question really is as you've built your personal brand and built your own income have you noticed that there's a difference in what you're able to say compared with people who potentially are reliant on brands or reliant on a company to pay their income and do you think that there's a real there's going to be a real struggle between being able to have own autonomy and freedom of expression as we live in this age of censorship and trying to shut down opinions that go against the the mainstream narrative. Yeah, man, I I think there are. And I think for people that are working for for companies, especially big companies that have a very strict, um, you could say, uh, I don't know what the word is, but you could say, uh, you know, corporate conduct or whatever it is called. Right. Um, I think people will be strict, right? And especially what you're seeing now in in the West and in 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 the UK and in America, moving towards more of this kind of like uh, we're always offended society. There are going to be people that are going to question what you say, especially if it's against the narrative that's there. So, uh, for me, I've been fortunate that you know now that I have you know like I say my own business that um, you know I have a, a lot more freedom to say the things that I, I want to say and. Even now, though, I'm still careful of what I say because I do know that, you know, saying the wrong thing and being too extreme can, you know, get me cancelled. And obviously, that you've seen that with people like Andrew Tate. And, you know, some people, the, the level now, right, like Andrew, where he's got all the money, it doesn't really matter if he gets, you know, cancelled. Um, well, it might be a little bit now, but, you know, I do think that it has, has an impact. Um, but I think on the flip side, for us to kind of challenge the narrative there needs to be people that speak out and i think that if you do have a platform you know like me or you know people like uh one of the big uh one of my mentors is actually zuby um who's reached a million followers on on uh, twitter now you know he speaks the truth and he does it in a way that is articulate that doesn't try to um you know offend anybody he he says it in a way that is like very well spoken and doesn't try to attack certain people despite what they might think and uh, you know i think there is a way to still get your opinion out and do it in the right way and and, and do it in a way that's respectful to others um and and things like that so yeah I, I do think it's a challenge but i think for the people that do have the ability to to speak up that they should and they should you know say what they believe in because it's then going to give the other people the confidence to to then do it um you know, it's like when you're you're at a restaurant, right? And something bad happens and no one wants to speak up. Well, if one person speaks up, then other people start speaking up, right? And, you know, it gives that, that confidence. So I would say that to people is, uh, yeah, definitely speak out if you can, um, if you have a good platform and, and that's going to help other people as well feel confident to do so. Well, you, we spoke about Zuby is essentially that balance of grace and judgment, but apply to yep. how you convey with other people, not only internally, you know, you're, you're delivering a potentially sensitive or, or harsh truth, but in a way that is loving and compassionate. Yep. And hopefully you can guide people with love back towards the truth. Mm-hmm. I know you've got a call at five o'clock. Um, so I don't want to uh, take up any more of your time, but we've, I feel like this is the most I've ever packed into such a short amount of time in a <laughs> podcast in terms of information. So thank you very much for your time. And no worries, if people want to find you, how can they do so? yeah sure so you can actually find me on um twitter is the main one the oliver anwar same for instagram uh, and then if you search oliver anwar health on youtube uh, you can find me as well 